autumn is in the air. Time for back-to-school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. I'm always happy to see you, Peter, man. Oh, dude, it's been way, it wasn't been like four or five months. Been a while. Been a while, man. Yeah, thanks for being flexible on that, uh, the last quarterly one, too. It's of course, been, uh, man. Of 2021 course. has been a continuation of 2020, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, you got to be flexible with people. I'm very big into that, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah, what you been up to? How you been? Oh, I've been good. Uh, you know, pumping out these podcasts, uh, working in my businesses. And just trying to have a peaceful existence as much as possible. <laughs> are you are you struggling or are you succeeding at the last one? I'm succeeding. I feel like I'm succeeding. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Um, I think I feel like I always am, I have a fairly peaceful existence, like ninety nine percent of the time. And uh, I don't know. I think it's. A, I mean, I've had some things go up and down, but I think I just try to be, how I approach them. I think. I think is a big part of it yeah. and how well, that lends to my peacefulness. Yeah. Yeah. I always hear too about how uh, people talk around like staying even keel. Is yeah. That, is yeah. that important to you or is that? Yeah. Like, how do you, because that's always a struggle of mine, right? Is like, I have an impulsive streak, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing to be frank. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a lot of, it's always up and down and up and down, yeah. and, up and down. And I try and tell myself to stay even keel, but yeah. you know, and I preach it too, right? Like I espouse it, but it's yeah. hard to go by your own advice sometimes. So like, how do you, how do you go by that? You know, I think it's just a lot. I think it started for me when I was in college, because when I was in high school, I was a shy person, but I was like a real hothead. And it's like, I would get so upset so quickly and something didn't go my way. And then when I got into college, I was like, okay, I think one of the things that helped me is I was a, a very like a successful track and field athlete in high school. And then I lost a lot in college when I got there. And the losing made, humbled me a lot. And then I started taking a lot of classes in public speaking, philosophy, um, um, counseling, basic counseling, all these things. I, I needed to learn good coping strategies. That's, and I knew that, like in my early 20s, I knew I needed better coping strategies uh, for that. And then I think also during that time in my mid-20s, I reconnected with, with my faith, faith-based communities. That really grounded me. And ever since then, it's been like, I've been even, pretty even the rest of the time. I just try to continually do that. Try to be like a good NFL quarterback. You know, you throw a pick, you got to just like nothing happens. You come right back. You know, yeah. <laughs> that was something my dad always drew. It's like I played baseball growing up. So, yeah, uh, you bring up the NFL quarterback. It was always baseball players after they make an error. Yeah. You would watch them and he would always be like, 
if you the camera because the camera always zoom in after always mistake boots a ball drops a fly ball whatever it is they zoom in on them and he goes the tail the tail was it the tail mark or the yeah. whatever the word is but you can tell a, a professional baseball player from a semi-pro one mm. because if you look at the professional baseball player after they make an error you shouldn't be able to tell right but with a semi-professional baseball player a lot of times you can yeah and I think a lot of that has to do, especially in baseball, too, in the NFL with this new 17-game season. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, and they say it all the time. It's like a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Right? So, and the difference between, um, I just know baseball well, the difference between a 300 hitter and a 250 hitter is one hit every two weeks. That's crazy. One <laughs> hit every two weeks. You think that's nothing. Right. You know, you're like, it's nothing. Yeah. And that's, and if you think about it too, it's like just one extra ground ball sneaking through the infield or that ball that you got fisted on, or you hit off the end of the bat that the fielder caught, right. That counts as a hit too. And that over the course of a season, just one hit every two weeks over the course of a season can turn you from a minor league flame out into a a consistent professional all-star. Wow. Crazy. That's incredible. Uh, It is like a marathon too. And I think Sometimes it's like you have to be okay with like no progress happening. Like that's hard because it's, I think we live in a society of it's like this growth mindset of like, I'm always like achieving more numbers are getting better month over month, year over year. And it's the same thing like uh, with podcasts, you know, most podcasts fail. I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know I mean? It's not like most of them aren't going to become this mega, mega monolith thing. But so what's your definition of success? I think it's just going through high numbers, low numbers, being consistent, people sometimes not being great, sometimes being great. It's just, it's like anything that's long-term, sometimes there's going to be lulls in it or times you're just like, what am I doing? Like, I don't think that's okay, but it's, it's, you just have to keep going. That's like my big thing. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's, part of the pro- it's part of the process too. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm running into the plateauing thing now. I, did I tell yep. you I got obsessed with rock climbing earlier this year? No. <laughs> obsessed, like straight obsessed. So much so that I, I went down the, the complete rabbit hole. I got like wow. shoes. I go multiple times a week now. I'm thinking about buying a van and just foregoing an apartment or a house to yeah. drive around the country and just climb. Uh, <laughs> but the, you know, I started earlier this year and there's people who have been climbing ever since they were infants or right? toddlers. Yeah. So I'm by no means any good. And I'm just like slowly progressing. But the cool part has been, I've been consistently progressing. And now I'm at that point where I'm busting my ass, you know, I'm working out all the time and it's very specific to rock climbing stuff, Yeah. but I just can't get over that, uh, that plateau. And are you familiar with the rock climbing grading skills at all? No, no. It's uh, in the Americas, at least it's uh, bouldering is done. It's no, it's not lead climbing. So bouldering is mm-hmm. done. You're not attached to anything. You're maybe climbing yeah. 15 to 20 feet. It's less moves, more explosive typically. And that's graded on a V scale. So V zero being the easiest, like beginner all the way up to I've seen V 16. And uh, I'm at V three right now. Yeah. Like I can, I can do V threes consistently but if you get me on a V4, man, I have not done one single one yet. Yeah. And it frustrates me because I've been stuck on V3s for months and months and months. Mm. The hardest part for me now has been like seeing consistent progress, continuously progressing. It's fun, right? Like it's like the work that I'm doing, I'm busting my ass. It's paying off. 
but now I'm doing the same amount of work and it's not paying off. So it's like, how do I keep, as you said, how do I keep going through that? Yeah. And it's hard because I'm trying to find, or what I've tried to do is find the actual joys in why I enjoy doing it. And that's right. really, that's really helped me. And I don't know, is, is that similar to what you do? You try and find yes. why you enjoy doing what you're doing? Yeah, actually, it's so funny you mentioned that because I think I always have to do that because I get this thing where I like, do something and it, gets, it goes, goes, goes quick and it gets big, big, and then it starts leveling off anything that I do. And I have to go, okay, why am I doing this? Like, am I doing this to become X, Y, Z or chase this huge, um, you know, you know, lucky rainbow and this pot of gold at the end. I'm like, no, I did it because I just want to like, what's the basic reason I started anything I started? I think if you remember that, you'll just enjoy it. Yeah. You'll just, you won't worry about the other stuff. You'll just enjoy it for, for what it is type of thing, you know? Yeah. So starting it with the end goal in mind isn't the best option. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I don't think so. I think it's just like, well, why did I, I always think that was my, my personal training business. Like I've been doing it for 21 years almost now. And it's like, okay, I've been doing this 21 years. It's pretty easy for me to do. It's pretty natural. It's automatic. You know, it's like training is a language for me. I speak it fluently. I can just boom, roll in. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, well, why did I start doing this? Because I enjoy one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. And exercise happens to be part of it. And if I always keep that mentality, it's always enjoyable to me. If I don't, then I start dreading on some level. You know? yeah. That's interesting. So for you, it's about the people, which makes so much yeah. sense with yeah. all of the things that you do. You right. Really, yeah. You it's like the podcast. I don't worry about any of this stuff. Like regard with it, I'm just like, whatever. I'm just like, I get to talk to my friend Peter today. Yeah. That's really what matters. And, you know, people listen, whatever. If they don't, who cares? The point is you and I are talking. <laughs> Isn't that really the point? Like, yeah. you know, and you know, some more people get introduced to the donut. I introduced a few people to the donut the other day. You know, I was like, one of my friends was like, I hate the news. And I was like, oh, I got something for you. And she signed up for it immediately. And nice. she's like, oh, this is really good stuff. And she's like, well, why haven't you told me about this? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just, I got so much going on. It just came up in conversation. I was like, oh, you think about it, you know? Wait, but, you mean you're not continuously promoting the donut? You're not oh, selling sorry. us everywhere you go? You're not doing it everything you do? How dare you? How man? dare I do that? <laughs> I know. I was, but it's like, you know, because I know you, now I have ammunition of like, if somebody tells me that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this person. Somebody tells me they love filmmaking. Boom, I got two or three filmmakers that I know. It's really an education for me, learning from other people and creating lasting relationships, you know, and I don't know, if I keep that simple in my mind, it's always enjoyable, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny you said that because the root cause of my rock climbing is uh, it's just, it's escapism for me. Like some people find it in comedy, some people find it in yeah. entertainment. And I do as well, but it's a different yeah. type of escapism because it's all based on the things that I love. Like I love solving problems and I love solving complex problems. Yeah. And yeah. bouldering, the routes are literally called problems. And when yes. you complete the problem, you solve the problem, right? So check one there. The yeah. other thing that I, I love, I have this competitive streak that is, it's incredible. And <laughs> the thing I love about rock climbing is it's competition, not against other people. 
right? Because like if you're fighting or if you're yeah. playing a baseball game or football, for instance, the other team could have a bad day, right? So yeah. you could beat somebody on their worst day. Yeah. And the thing I love about rock climbing is you look at the wall and you look at the problems that doesn't change. It never changes. Yeah. You change. And huh. for me, there's something like beautiful in that. I like that. Uh, yeah. I really like that. That's like profound, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's it funny. You're like doing all this stuff, you know, it's like, meanwhile, you have the donut and all this stuff and like, how do you deal with all this news, man? I feel like the news gets crazier and crazier. And it, part of the reason that um, I'm having much more fun doing what we're doing now is we got out of just like the, the morass of the news and started yeah. focusing more on stuff that um, we find interesting and other people also find interesting. So it's been really interesting. because like our, our growth over the past few months or so has just like exploded. Oh, and it's nice. been ever since we started talking about the donut as this daily digest that's just like a conglomeration of everything and yeah. if you read it you'll have the ammo to be the most interesting person in the room like <laughs> of our scientific study like today right. a study about genetically modifying mosquitoes to eradicate yeah. human death from diseases passed on all that yeah yeah so we're we're doing a lot more stuff like that and it makes it a hell of a lot more enjoyable than like somebody in Washington did this thing, it's the end of the world, or like somebody in Russia is doing this thing and yeah. we're all gonna die tomorrow, right? It's like, it's a lot less, <laughs> it's a lot less of a focus on like sensationalism and the negativity and more on like finding the joy and learning and exploring. And that's more yeah. what we're trying to espouse now instead of arming people to go yell at each other online, <laughs> which, which is kind of what we did for the first like year and a half or yeah. so. And man, it'd be ridiculous. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but before we made this kind of like slight content directional change, I'd wake up every morning and my inbox would have anywhere from 50 to hundreds of people reaching out to me, just angry, like really vitriol, oh, dude, vitriol, bitter, oh. all of that. And the hilarious part, like I would find, I'd have to try and find joy in it, you know, cause it, it felt like just being bombarded with negativity. Yeah. It's like, you know, ever since I opened my eyes in the morning, and the joy I would find in it was kind of like dark humor almost. Yeah. We would get politically minded folks who would reach out to us about a particular story. And like on the right, they'd say stuff like, how can you use this language? This is such a liberal language and so on and so forth. Uh -huh. And on the left is like, how can you use this language? This is racist, this is misogynistic. You're obviously coming from a bad place. And the hilarious part, this is where the dark humor comes in, is both of those people were looking and reading at the same exact story. Wow, man. So which one is it, man? What is I don't it? Know, right? Like, <laughs> so the solace I took in that was if we're pissing those types of people off, we're yeah. probably doing something right, especially if it's mm. about the same thing. Right. Um, but that you I mean, back to your question, that just that weighs on you, man. It really does. And then yeah. you don't ever really see anything positive in the news. No. It's like natural disasters, murders, um, you know, partisanship, ugly partisanship, yeah. Anger. And it's all it is is designed. It's like uh, we've talked about the social dilemma before. It's like yeah. the social dilemma, but there's no algorithms. It's people. Yeah, yeah. It's actually. Um, I have to tell. You, actually, I have something in mind. Uh, at some point, I'm going to be chatting with you about this off off air. Yeah. Um, it's another business I'm starting a project, and I was like, oh, I got to talk to Peter about this type of thing. But uh, it's in it's in the mindset of like. 
we need a better social communication aspect. We need better, we need, we need a better spaces for, for discourse or, or energy. We need better energy out there. So I got, I'm working on something, but it's like just better energy that and people could be a part of this energy that's just more positive. I think that's, that's like, you see the news and stuff. It's like, man, do I really need to hear about the recall in California? And how that's already being like, oh, the election is going to be stolen. It's like, it hasn't even happened. <laughs> like, 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 what is wrong with people? Like, this is crazy stuff, you know? And it feels like we're going down this slope of never-ending crazy extremism on any side of the equation. It's just massive extremism. And no, no society can live fruitfully in that space over time, you know? So let me paint a picture for you. And right. So you, you talk about the um, feeling like we're just bombarded with extremism. Yeah. And, oh, dude, that's what that's 100% what it feels like, right? It's yeah. like, you, it feels like there's politics that are reaching their grubby little tendrils into yeah. every corner of our lives. And it's a small minority, right? Like a small right. vocal, out, it's a small outsized outward. They're extraordinarily vocal, as I guess what I'm trying to say is minority yeah. is. And they've captured a lot of our just kind of like media and content apparatuses. And I can talk about the news side because I know the news side extraordinarily well. They're all competing for the same pool of consumers. Mm. And so there's a small group of individuals on the right that pay for news. And there's a small group of individuals on the left that pay for news. And all told, close to 20%, I think the actual number is 17% mm -hmm. of all Americans pay for news. But right. the thought leadership in the media industry is saying, well, you know, our advertising revenue is going away because of Facebook and Google. And we, mm -hmm. can, have a, we can have a discussion about that because I sure. see something happening that's, that's different than that. But mm. what they see is, okay, we're not going to be able to support ourselves in ad revenue anymore. We need to establish a direct relationship with our reader, and we can do that through subscriptions, right? Mm -hmm. So people pay us for access to content, which yeah. is why you see a lot of paywall or a lot of news sure. publications now tossing up paywalls. But the problem with that, 80 plus percent of people don't pay for news. Right? Right. So now that information goes away for them. And these uh, newspapers are fighting. Again, they're fighting over the same 20% of people. And yeah. the 20% of people that are interested in the news are interested they like uh, confrontation, right? They like knowing what's going on and being able to argue with other people and things yeah. of that nature. And those are the people that are, are being targeted with this type of information. But the audience we're going after is the 80% of people yeah. who are too busy in their day-to-day -day lives to dish. <laughs> Seriously. Like, right. And that's who we're going after. And nobody is servicing those people there. Yeah. So they're looking at all of this, this, the news app and the content apparatuses, and they're going, this is fear mongering. There's nothing original being said. Like it's literally yeah. the same arguments over and over and, sure. over and over and over again. So we've had a hell of a time with our dose of discussion section in the newsletter, which mm. uh, takes a hot button issue and then provides a, a 360 perspective on that hot button issue. So you can actually access different perspectives and have right. a more holistic view of that. Um, situation. We've been having a hell of a time finding stuff that's interesting because it's over and over again, mask mandates, vaccine mandates. Yeah, yeah. It's the same arguments over and over and <laughs> over again. And there's nothing new, man. There's nothing, nothing new. new. And it's so frustrating to me, but I can't think of an explanation of why that is, except for what I just laid out. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. 
that's crazy to me on some level. It's like there's a small percentage that makes up a massive megaphone for a lot of people. You know, it's kind of the whole squeaky wheel thing. It's a very squeaky wheel, man. <laughs> I mean, that wheel is super squeaky. It ain't like kind of squeaky. It's yeah. like the squeakiest wheel I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you're still competing for traffic too. So, right. So the yeah. incentive is still there for sensationalism. It's still there to be divisive. Because again, going back to the social dilemma, yeah. we as human beings engage more with stuff that has negative undertones. And yeah, just, we just do. Yeah, it's just the way that it is. What so do you do? Huh? Yeah. How much is the saturation aspect to this? Because I almost feel like the internet itself has become so saturated that like even whatever is posted almost doesn't even matter. Like it doesn't get looked at really, unless it's like crazy, super crazy. So it's like this competition for news that is more sensational than the last thing, you know? Yeah. And that goes back to the volume. Right. So it's the similar to the, the social media companies is there's just so much information, just like the yeah. if you look at the number of videos or number of hours of videos uploaded to YouTube every single day. It's some like staggering. Amount. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's something staggering. And there's no possible way that a people can consume all of that. And right. like you're just absolutely inundated with so much choices which is where the algorithms come into play right yeah. so the algorithms make it so you don't have to make choices they just serve as content up <laughs> that they know you're going to be and that's that's the scary thing that's right? the it's scary like, thing man. are we actually making our own decisions anymore and i don't know if we are or not it, it seems to me like no but they're yeah. the ones that are serving making the choices for us and serving up the content which goes back to what we've been talking about the content they're serving up because their incentive is for more engagement. We need to pe yeah. keep people in our app, in our ecosystem, whatever it is, so we can continuously serve them with more ads, more content. Right? Like that's that's the game, and extricating ourselves from that game. I don't know what the answer to that is, or how it really even can be done. I don't know either. How do you unplug yourself from the matrix of news and things to regain? It's almost like I have an analogy here, kind of like, follow me on this, okay? This may be, this sounds, I've said this publicly, and I'm not going to back down from it because I really believe it in a sense because this is, this is my field in fitness and wellness. Okay, so right now it feels like it's get hard to get out of essentially the internet and stuff with this mass whole thing and social media. I compare it to fitness and trying to get people into fitness. We know for like the past 30 years, 15 to 17% of the population exercises regularly. That has not changed. It has literally not moved an inch at all in the past 30 years. M meanwhile, our technology keeps getting better, which DoorDash, Uber Eats, everything we do is to make our lives easier and have less physical activity, pretty much at this point. So we're asking people to get into something that's good for them, yet Yet technology is saying, you don't need to work that hard. We're going to take away manual labor from you. That does not, so saying that people are going to get fitter is totally untrue. On a mass level, humans will never be fitter. I'm putting this, I've been putting this out there. Unless the grid completely falls apart and humans have to go back to hunter-gathering primarily, we, will, we are on the track for a tremendous amount of crazy levels of obesity and overweight. It's just going to happen. You can do nothing about it. Nothing. It's going to happen. It's already happened. 70% of people are obese or overweight already. 
it's just we're heading. This is a this is a refrigerator with 500 pounds of explosives going down a hill. No one's stopping it right now. And it almost feels like that for people to get off of this cycle of terrible news, social media, something significant has to happen to destroy it almost. And, and people don't have the willpower to stop it. Like a few people here and there. <laughs> like on a mass level, who's going to stop the internet and social media? No one. I no. don't think it's going to happen. But this, and this might be, um, and this is why I'm so interested in, in this topic, is if you go back to when the printing press was first invented in 1440, mm. it was a similar, it was similar to the internet in terms of it gave people who didn't have a voice the ability to disseminate uh, information and their voice yeah. on a large scale. Right. But we know what happened after the printing press, right after the printing press. And it's, dude, humans don't change. And that's we don't the, change, you know, man. The technology changes, the tools around us change, but we as humans don't change. No. So there was a major issue, a major issue with misinformation after the invention of the printing press. It's, like people, it's unbelievable, dude. Like people were literally writing books about like how to spot a witch 101 and selling these books. People were reading these books and then killing people in their village because of what the book said. They're like, ah, the book says this is a witch. Has to be a witch. Let's go. A witch. Let's go burn her. Let's go fuck her up. Right. And yeah. Then, yeah. But it's similar to kind of like what's happening today, right? Is um, we have a similar, if you want to call it, you can call it a problem. You can call it a problem, but we have an issue yeah. with a lot of false information that's driving people's behavior. Yeah. And the way that was solved with the printing press was consolidation, right? Is take away the voice from as many people as we possibly can. <laughs> And I don't know if that's going to happen again, but if human beings don't change historically and we don't appear to have changed, history repeats itself over and over and over and over again. That's what I think looking into the future is going to happen. There's going to be some form yeah. of consolidation where people get their information from less and less and less yeah. and less places. And that is going to be how we solve the problem. Yeah. Too much information. And is, I mean, do you think that will actually happen? Like. I really do. And you're seeing it now too. That would be good. I mean, yes and no, because right? then you have less, uh, less people who are disseminating information and the ability to have top-down control of what's said is greater. Right? So and everything yeah. has trade-offs dude. literally. It's always a trade-off, man. It's always a trade-off. You ever go to a restaurant that has like 9 million pages on it, you know, <laughs> and then you go to, you go to In-N-Out Burger and there's like one tiny little thing. I don't know, man. I'm going to the small menu. I ain't going to yeah. the one with like a bunch of choices. Yeah. Well, and the, I mean, specialization versus generalization is kind of what yeah. you're talking about too, right? I'd yeah. rather go to the place that does the same thing over and over again. And they like really it. well yeah. yeah. versus <laughs> something that's like, all right, we got Mexican food, we got Italian food, we got exactly. Chinese food. And then you look in the back and it's like two, like two middle-aged white people. Yeah. You're like, like, this is not good. How are you guys good at all this stuff? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I never met a human who's good at like 25 things, right. like, like, like at the top of the level, you know? And in many, I, I said this to my wife, I was like, kind of similar to what you said. I said, you know what? It's like the internet gave everybody a voice. And the problem is, man, this sounds bad to say, but I want to say, not everybody needs to have a megaphone. They really don't. Not everybody needs to have their thoughts put out for the public purpose, you know? It's kind of nicer when, you know, some people just lived in existence and they didn't have to worry about how many people heard whatever they ate for lunch or whatever. So I mean, it's like, 
I don't know. I know it sounds bad on some level, but it's like, it's like any business that gets too big and they lose quality control. You know, it's right now we have no quality control. And like, we're trying to do it on the back end. Like, well, maybe we should, maybe we should say this tweet is not good. And then <laughs> it's just like, no thought to that in the beginning at all. You know, it's like, it's retrograde, think, you know? I think we have a, I think you're right. We do have a problem with oversharing. And it might even be a little bit bigger than that too. So like what? So uh, one thing that I had to learn, because I, I mean, I grew up in a, a household where I was uh, encouraged, I was fostered, I was told I was loved, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of yeah. like thought that I was, you know, I, I had a, a certain predisposition for myself that the world didn't necessarily share. Right? And what I mean by that is the world does not give a shit. It does <laughs> not fucking care. Like it does not care. And there's the there might be a misconception uh with um, like the way the past couple of generations have been raised with like, my opinion matters about everything. 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 Nah, it really no. doesn't. And at the end of the day, people do not care, right? Like I'm having a hard enough time building a business. You've yeah. built a business, yeah. right? Like getting people that care about that yes. is astronomically difficult. It's hard. <laughs> and I think people underestimate that combined with the social pressure to have an opinion on literally everything, which yeah. I hate that, man. It's like, oh, why do I have to have an opinion on something that A, I don't care about and B, I know nothing about because my opinion is going to be incorrect. Whatever the hell it is, <laughs> it's going to be incorrect. I thought, yeah, I, the oversharing, I don't know. It's just like, if you go on any platform, there's always like massive amounts of irrelevant information being shared. <laughs> it's like mostly irrelevant, you know, ah, uh, life is good. Oh, went to dinner tonight. And it's like, so what? <laughs> like, like, and it's like, there needs to be like, again, you ride the slippery slope because then you have somebody say, oh, see, you're trying to censor me, trying to tell me I can't do this. You know, I, I'm just saying like, do you want 10,000 voices or do you want like a more moderate number of voices? It's kind of like, hey, it's, it, honestly, it was better when there was like three or four channels. You know, I, it really was. I mean, and that's like these streaming platforms. How many streaming platforms can you have before people are like, I'm making choices, can't watch this one anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would rather live in the world where I have the choice though, and I curate it to be a small group of voices, which is kind of yeah. one versus kind of like blocking out stuff. Because if we're getting the same type of information from like the three or four channels or the sources, I think a lot of what's happened today um, at least from the governmental side of things, is we've seen based on like FOIA requests and yeah. uh, the Patriot Act and what Snowden's done, stuff like that. Like the government's yeah. not wonderful, right? The government's not great. No, and of course not. Most of the time, a lot of the time, they don't have your best interests in mind. But when we had the three or four channels, it was always, you know, a very government-centric kind of point of view. Sure. Now with the ability for individuals to disseminate information, we're learning things are getting exposed that wouldn't necessarily otherwise have been exposed and whether they should be exposed or not, whether they need to be exposed or not. Yeah. I kind of think they do. Cause I personally just want to know what's going on. I want to know reality, right? Like I don't sure. want to lie to me and obfuscate it. I want to know what the hell is actually going on. Cause if somebody's yeah. telling me the world is one way when it's actually not, I can't live the best life I possibly can because yeah. I'm dealing with shitty information. Right. So I'm, I always wonder if like social media has caused our problems or if it's just exposed ones that have already always existed. I mean, maybe both on that. 
I just like less choices. I'm just a big less choice person. Like it's just, I truly believe most people are paralyzed by too many choices. Yeah. And then they just default. Yeah. Yeah. Then they just default to even they'll default to something bad. It's because it's familiar. Yeah. So that's, that's like basic human behavior. So if you give people all these choices, everybody's creating a startup. Everybody's creating something that's like, man, I like choice, but to a, to a point. Right. I can relate that. Go ahead. I was going to say, I can relate that back to sales too, because that's another thing that I'm, I have a a lot of success with. And on the sales side of things, you don't want to inundate people with choice, right? So when push comes to shove, it's not like, Hey, you can have whatever the hell you want to. (laughs) That's how you start the conversation off. Right. And as you start the conversation off really broad, and then as it goes along, it narrows and narrows and narrows and narrows to solve the problem that the business you're talking to or the person you're talking to has. And that's, um, at least to, to me at the tail end of that, you don't provide like seven different choices. Like, okay, so you need to solve problem A, you need to solve problem B, you need to solve problem C. We have infinite options to do that. Which one do you want? It's like, we need to solve problem A, we need to solve problem B, we need to solve problem C. Here's three options we have for doing that. Which one is the best for you? Yeah. Right. And that always makes it so much easier because there is paralysis. And I don't know if it's like decision fatigue, um, just because consistently making decisions on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, And People aren't going like psycho Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg where they're like, yeah. all right, I'm more the same thing every single day. So I don't have to make <laughs> that decision. I have capacity for other decisions. Yeah. But it's like marshalling people or uh, providing people with less choices is always more successful. But then again, as we mentioned, there's always trade-offs. And the trade-off there's a trade-off. is you might not get exposed to a better option just because the person who's providing you with the choices doesn't quite know you at the same level that you do. Yeah. And then like you can't care about everything. It's like, it's like, I feel like, especially young people, they want to care about everything. Everything. I'm like, it's impossible. Like, it's literally impossible. And I feel like, you know, in, in high school and younger grades, we need to teach kids about critical thinking skills, how to make better digital literacy, how to come to good decision-making. And I think what's the internet's awesome. I'm not sitting here and say it's not because it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> but I think it is, it's been good. There's so much good about it. Don't let me tell you, it's not negative. All. I'm just saying there's a lot of good. But I think we don't, we're not very good at choosing things when we have too many choices. So we need to educate people about how to properly choose things that work for them and that are not, um, I don't say negative, but aren't, don't hurt other people oh, yeah. or, you know, that are harmful. And I think a lot of humans, I love people, man. But man, we're kind of dumb on a lot of things. I mean, like we do a lot of stupid shit all the time. And one reason why I feel peaceful on a regular basis is because I think about my decisions all the time. I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'll just do this today. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, think about what, if I consume only this content, where, do I, where will this lead me? How many people ask that question? They just consume content. They don't ask the question before they consume it. Yeah. But, and I, I think meditation and I, that helped, that's what helped me a lot is like, yeah. just get the hell away from devices, get the hell away from content, yeah. get the hell away from having to fill every single second with music or something auditory right. or visual stimulation right. or oral stimulation, whatever the hell it is. Like yeah. I needed, I felt the need to fill every single second with that. Yeah. And then every time that I, I try and step away from it and meditate, 
I'm always drawn to our ancestors, right? And I'm thinking yeah. like our our ancestors didn't have this problem. So like how the hell did they fill time? Right? It, <laughs> I didn't know, have and, this problem growing up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, neither did I. Like from the eighties, man. I'm like <laughs> No social media. <laughs> yeah, and and when I was, I mean, when I was growing up, it was um, MySpace came around at high school, and so yeah. like uh, as an elementary student, I, we didn't have any of the, yeah. the pressures. And I can't even imagine, you know, raising uh, a, a family, right, or like oh, raising man. a daughter in this world. And from probably as as soon as she could like talk or see the environment, yeah. she might be seeing people on screens or other people on screens or like. I just don't, I wonder how that impacts the future generations or us moving forward. Well, I, I can tell you, I had a conversation about it today, actually, uh, with one of my clients, we were talking about it. And I think parenting is harder than ever. Yeah. I think it's harder than ever because of screens and devices and too many options. And kids, you know, they don't know the difference. Like they are drawn to stimuli, just like adults are. Yeah. But kids, they, you know, they just haven't had, there's no buffer for them. And you're the buffer. You have to be the buffer. You have to say, there's only so much time you can have on this. And by the way, some of this stuff is not good for you. The difference is like, I grew up in the big TV generation. I watched a megaton of TV. But the TV wasn't as influential. It wasn't, you know, it may say, oh, go out and get some Dunkin' Donuts. All right, but just a commercial. Yeah. The sinister thing now was like, it almost is like coaching you to do stuff. It's yeah. recommending stuff. It's telling you it's, it's influencing you. That's the difference is now it's like, Hey, you're on here. This is what you want. You want this. Yeah. You, you need this. Actually, you know what? Don't even make a decision. I'll nudge you. The next episode will start whether you want to or not, unless you say stop. Yeah. That's what makes it harder. I think those types of things. So I, with my daughter, we're, we're real, we're pretty strict about it. And that, because I think you have to be, if not, you have to remember you're, you're raising an adult. Your child will not be a child forever. <laughs> they will become a full-fledged adult. And much of what they do in the beginning will be because of what you did in the beginning. <laughs> that time. That's all they know. Or whatever you allowed them to be exposed to through media and things. Like my daughter will not be getting a phone until she's 13 or 14. Yeah. No way. Not happening. But there's plenty of people that their little kids have phones. I don't understand that. I mean, I don't get that. I mean, Dude, I, I, putting a bomb in your kid's hand. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think you're right on the critical thinking uh, yeah. aspect of it, right? Like that's that is, I'm telling you right now, like that is going to be the differentiating skill over the next century. <laughs> yes, because the ability to ask questions and the ability to very quickly and easily understand and grasp what's going on. So like, if yeah, you look at, uh, have you ever read about uh, the school Elon Musk created and sends his kids to? No. It's one, and we, uh, we can even look it up on here. What um, is it? I'm going to forget a lot of the details, but their whole focus is on problem solving and critical thinking. That's it. All That's the kids it, yeah. do is they, they're, te they're taught critical thinking skills and then their assignments are literally to solve real world problems. Oh my so, gosh. If you want to talk about preparing somebody, a kid for the real world in the best way possible, that's it. It's not 
going in front of a you know a blackboard and being like all right so Aww. the first thing we're going to learn today is this, and then we're <laughs> going to learn that and then we're, did everybody do the assigned readings no fuck that like no, i want to no. actually get my hands dirty like teach me how to think teach me how to ask questions i want to learn stuff i want to explore things i want to be able to make mistakes and there's yeah. like not on tests right being asked like, not on what's tests. the pythagorean theorem it's like no, no. who cares <laughs> right. like, how, how do you apply the pythagorean theorem yeah. to create this um this and engineering yeah assignment. Or, uh, you, you kind of get what i'm saying right it's like yeah, it's a world it, yeah. application of the things that you're supposed to learn but you don't even need to know the things that are being taught in school because guess what you can do a freaking google search i know and, it's crazy that's actually it's funny you said that too so where i live they just opened a brand new high school it's called bellingham intergenerational high school and it's literally based off of what you just told me the high school is actually it's funny they the malls malls are dead you know malls are dying. Yeah. Left them, you know they're terrible places at this point <laughs> but they took over a big part of the mall and they're having the high school in the mall they use the space i said okay they're using the space for a very innovative high school where um it's based off i feel like it's based off of a lot of like native american based practices and tribal communities where like elders are really important within the community so they they get um mentors in the community come into the high school and in the morning the first period you come in and you speak with people in the community and you come and they they help you they help grow you they, they give you knowledge and wisdom the whole thing you have mentors you have like four or five mentors and then other parts of the day is you take classes in critical thinking digital literacy all this stuff how to read research studies it's all based off of how kids are will be living in the future and kids take classes they want to take they, that, that they don't, you're not required. It's like, how do I become a better human in this world type of thing? It's crazy. I'm definitely sending my daughter back for, for sure. For sure. I don't want conventional school. I'm done with conventional school. You know? Yeah. And that's, it's so sad that it's, a, and also it's sad that malls are dying. I spent so much of my, they're like, so dead. I've spent so much of my middle school years <laughs> there, man. Like, ah, hey, you guys want to all go meet at the mall and then walk around and look at stuff we can't afford, but really want to get our Yeah. They're so dead. There's a, actually an interesting documentary, I think, on Amazon Prime. It's about a mall in Florida. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. It's oh, like, man, malls are dying so bad. You know, it's like. Wow. Well, what's going to happen with them is the um, a lot of what Amazon's trying to do. So, have you heard about their kind of like reverse retail strategy? No. So that if you think of like Amazon and Walmart, those two are trying to accomplish the same goal, but in just different ways. Mm. Right? So like Walmart had a massive, has a massive retail presence and they're mm -hmm. trying to get into the online and logistics space. Then you have Amazon whose strategy was, we're going to blow out this e-commerce, this new uh, e-commerce market. And after we blow out the e-commerce market, we'll have the ability because we've just destroyed the retail industry. We'll have the ability to go into the spaces that are now left vacant from the retail companies that went belly up and we can utilize them as grocery stores. We can utilize them as warehouses, distribution mm. centers, things of that nature in a lot of major locales. So we can be very well positioned to deliver and serve the customer, deliver products and serve the customer the best way possible. And yeah. then at the same time, they're doing that, right? So they're expanding more into the retail side of things now. And then Walmart's trying to expand more into the e-commerce side of things because they have this massive retail presence already. Yeah. So everything you see Walmart doing, it's almost hilarious because it's like Amazon Prime 
I don't even want to say 2.0 because I don't know if it's better or not, but it's yeah. like a different version of Amazon Prime. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So you're saying is it would be like Amazon balls, basically, kind of thing? Dude, or like seriously. Yeah. And like they bought Whole Foods recently. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. now they're expanding grocery stores under the Whole Foods name. And then they're launching Amazon. I think it's Amazon, Amazon. Fresh. Yeah, Fresh yeah. And, and Go, Amazon Go also. So like yeah. it's like cashless. Uh, you don't have any cashier. You just go in and stuff. Yeah. Even in Seattle. Yeah. Which, how, I mean, I, where do you think that's going to go? Like, I don't, I have thoughts about this because I feel like some of this stuff I have thoughts about, like they're, they're bad, man. They're like bad thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, if, but you have to say, it's like, I don't think anybody grows up wanting to be a cashier at a grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody aspire, wants to aspire to that, but, and also people need to work. A lot of people need to work. So on one hand, I'm like, okay, fine. You don't have cashiers. I mean, what's the point anyways, if it can be done. But on the other hand, I'm like, man, I don't want people to lose their job. So, but, so the technology side of me is like, this is great. Like, why do I need to interact with the cashier? Really? I mean, for like a couple seconds, you know? The other side, I'm like, oh, man, what are the people going to do? I'm always conflicted by that, you know? See, but I don't buy the first part of that argument because that argument's been used consistently over and over and over, right? Like yeah. industrial revolution, industrial revolution. Yeah. People out of jobs. Well, guess what? The amount of jobs overall in the economy yeah. has continuously been increasing ever since people have been saying, sure. oh, you know, this new innovation is going to display, right? So I don't necessarily buy that. What I'm concerned about is the, like, knowing how it has to work and the proliferation of cybersecurity yeah. uh, breaches and things of that nature, sure. they'll have to have some sort of biometric info stored on you somewhere. And it's oh, not yeah. just going to be Amazon. It's going to be a bunch of other people. Well, you can and do the palm happened. with yeah. the Amazon. You can they read yeah. your palm. You can there do you the payment. Yeah. So that has to be stored somewhere if you think about how of it course. actually operates, right? It's like yeah. you scan it, then the system goes and pings the database to see if there's a match in the database. Yeah. If there is, it's like gives you the go-ahead. So they're stored yeah. in the database somewhere. Now we've talked about the 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 tendency of humans to consolidate things. At yes. some point, that database could be consolidated, right. and at that point, we could be looking at something that exists today, right now, like China's social social credit scoring system. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where I'm trying to. That's where a lot of my fear is, right? And it's it mm. might not even. It's probably not even going to happen in our lifetime. I hope it doesn't. But it's yeah. something that future generations, I feel like, will have to deal with. But the capacity for um, an authoritarian government to emerge from something like that terrifies yeah. me because yeah. that has been human history. That has been human history, except for like Greece and sure, kind of like America and then Europe over the past 100 or 150 yeah. or so years. So for the vast part of human history there have been despots tyrants monarchies that sort of yes. thing and like you're a you're a student of history like life sucked man it's like was it i know <clears throat> life was nasty brutish and short it's the best time right now actually it's really the best time i guess i'm probably more in the in the aspect of like i'm a big technology fan so for me purpose seriously i don't think anybody wants to be a cashier i'm sorry to cashiers but nobody wants to do that shit man you know i'm like I never met one person who was like, this is amazing, you know, stuff like that, or work in a warehouse. I worked in a warehouse when I was in high school. 
I couldn't believe how garbage it was. Yeah. How terrible of a job it was. I don't think it's gotten much better, honestly. Sometimes. So I think the thing is, it's good to free people from doing that type of work. But then I hear an argument of like, well, then people will have all this time to do stuff that they love. I'm like, I don't know, man. People can, people have a hard time do, like doing stuff. You ever met people who have hobbies? It ain't a lot of people, by the way. <laughs> Most people are defined by the work they do. Yeah. They have no clue what to do outside of that. Like you're doing, cool. you're doing climbing. That's amazing. You know, I have a lot of interests, but I know a megaton of humans who have literally no interest outside their jobs. Like, so freedom up to do what? Be on right. your phone all the time? Right. Back to your 15 to 17% of people work out, right? Yeah. Like that, is that what's going to happen if there's ultimately a lot of freedom that humans can now enjoy, right? Like just what the hell do I do with my time? What do you do with your time? Yeah. I mean, that's a great, but first of all, it's a great problem to have. This is a it's society, a great problem. Right? Like yeah. it's, you know, it's an incredible problem to have, but at the same time, it's also a, a, problem. <laughs> it's a problem. As, as humans, we're like, <laughs> We have a we have a tendency, and I'm the same way to just get into vices, right? Like that's why yeah, this that's why prostitution exists, so on and so forth. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell else are you gonna fill your time with? Like, I got drugs that I could get drugs delivered to me now. Like, yeah, why the hell not? You know, what am I gonna do with my time? I don't need to do anything with my time. I don't have nothing. I don't have anything to do. So like that's that is something that I'm concerned about. Not it's only a problem, for, right? but not only for society, but also to be frank, dude. Like I think about that for me as well too. So like when the donut's done, because this thing takes all of my freaking time. Yeah, like all of it. And yeah. the reason I found hobbies and things outside of it is to keep myself tuned, like mm -hmm. the best version of myself to succeed with the company that I started. Yeah. But when the company that I started goes away, and there's this big gaping hole left in my life. I have an addictive personality yeah. and have had one or two vices, you know, in my yeah, day. Sure. Um, so like, I don't know what I do. <laughs> like, I really don't. And I, maybe I shouldn't be thinking about that, but it, like, I think I, you should be thinking about it. <laughs> like I see the other um, entrepreneurs and hopefully I get to, you know, to be successful. Like they, they have, but yeah, they've, filled a lot of their free time since they've started companies like the Tony Sa, the Zappos yeah, yeah. in Vegas, who yeah. killed him. Well, I don't know if he killed himself or it was accidental, but he was locked in a shed that he set on fire while he was going out. downhill, man. He went yeah. downhill. Like, and, and that's a lot of people like, because work it literally defines, it's like you go to a place, what do you do for a living? You don't ask them anything else at the beginning. And I always think that's a mistake. And for me, I've always juggled a lot of things in terms of pursuits and hobbies, way more things I'm into in that vein than I am into my job. And in some sense, I've always tried to stay small, anything that I've done. I've done enough to create a good living for myself, my family, and I don't aspire to make a megaton of money. I know that sounds very un, you know, uncapitalistic, but I know what happens with people. I've seen it a lot when, they, when it's, it's never enough money. Never. You think Jeff Bezos has enough money? Guarantee he doesn't think he has enough money. Everybody thinks they want, oh, I get this amount and I'm good. That's not true. That's totally not true. That's my second fear. <laughs> yeah. When's what's enough? Right now, seriously, in my life, I have everything that I've ever wanted in my life, in the history of my, I have it all right now. I'm not rich. So what will the extra stuff get me to? Yeah. First class all the time, whoop de do. <laughs> a little more vacations, I've done all that. I'm mean, like, tell me what I'm gonna do that's better than what I'm doing now. 
go to some stupid party that's maybe like with a bunch of people that everybody loves. I, I've, I've had some of the best ragers of people with people you've never heard of in your life. I'm like, yeah. tell me how what did, I'm supposed to do. <laughs> how, did, how did you get to that point? I think I just, I think I just never tried to shoot for something that was like, you know, like when people try to be famous, I don't get that. I'm like, why That's do you want everybody to go online? Right. Why do you want yeah. every, first of all, the consequences of that are immense. So what? You have a lot of money, but you also have traded off your privacy, tremendous privacy. And you have to keep trying to remain famous. <laughs> That's the whole thing, you know? So for me, it's like, okay. I've, I've read a lot of the research about how much money, you know, between this and that is kind of where the happy zone for people with that. Anything beyond that really doesn't matter. And two, I just like, I see the evil that happens when people make so much money. It's never stopping. You become a, you serve money. Then, then this money becomes your master at that point. I like making money. I'm not saying I don't like making money, but I'm, I'm always, it's like, seriously, nobody's, I never told anybody this. I'm telling you this. I've never told anybody this. One of the reasons I do a podcast is to keep myself from making more money. Because if I don't fill this time with podcasts, I will get more clients. I will try to fill it with more clients. I will try to grow my business. And what is that going to do? It's going to take me away from my family. It's going to take me away from other pursuits like talking to you, enjoying that. I literally have to create the blockades from making money or else that's all I'll try to do is make money. Are you schedule oriented? Like, are you very yes. schedule? Yeah. Yes. And I have to put it in a schedule to keep me from trying to fill that with money-based opportunities. I'm not opposed to money. I'm just saying, like, I know that there's, if I allow myself to go down that hole, I'll just obliterate everything else in my life. I will. I'll just, I'll ignore everything else and I will just focus on making money and I'll never make, be happy. I just won't be happy. You know? Isn't that crazy? And isn't that also like a, it's an eye-opening exercise when I've done it yeah. in the past where, what yeah. is it, 168 hours in a week? Is yeah, that, 168, yeah. yeah. There's only, everybody has the same amount of time. We all have yeah. 168 hours. And the reason yeah. I was asking if you're, your schedule inclined is it sounds to me like you did an exercise where you sat down and you're like, here's the amount of time that I have in my day. Here's yep. my priorities. I'm not going to compromise on these priorities. I'm not going to do that how do I maintain my level of happiness and maybe lifestyle with yeah. the amount of time that I have left? Is yeah. That kind of, is that kind of what you did? That's it. I, I refuse to work more than five hours in a day. Refuse yeah. to do it. And I know people be like, what? <laughs> like I've done the 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I'm not any happier. Yeah. <laughs> I just not. Look, I'm doing it now, man. And I can tell you the tools that it has on relationships. I can tell yeah. you that it has on just anxiety, stress, my own health, uh, yeah. the people around me, you know, like it, it, it has, it has an impact. And the reason yeah. why I started a company is so like at some point, all I could focus on was family and relationships. Yeah. And what I'm understanding now is I'm losing a lot of the relationships that I would have lost over time anyways. Yeah. But I need to make sure that I'm not overworking myself and taking yeah. no vacations, right? Because, dude, like, you last have to. Year, like last year after I started the, or actually two years ago after I started the company, I told if I told you about like the eviction notices, the like, no. like power get, have I told you about anything? I don't think so. No, oh, I think so. Dude. So first off, if you're starting a company, don't do anything like what I did. I started a company <laughs> in an in industry I had zero experience in, yeah. absolutely no experience in. 
didn't really know anything about because if I knew something about it, I would have known that, A, you need a shit ton of capital and a lot of time. And I thought naively, (laughs) right, like the entrepreneur's fallacy that we were talking about earlier, I care about something so much. I love something so much. Everyone else is going to love it and care about it just as much as I did. And (laughs) this is not the case, man. This is not not. the case. (laughs) If you looked at no, like if you look at any of the projections that I put together starting off the company, I was like, all right, we're going to be a million dollar company in four months. It's like, no, that's just, <laughs> no, it's just not how it works. Um, so love it. So I, I didn't, I didn't realize that because I was just so like naive and stupid and yeah. whatever other adjective. So like a few months into it, I don't give up shit. Like I just, I, yeah. once I commit to something, I do it. So there was a, right. um, a few months after that, I had completely ran out of money because I didn't you know, yeah. could have expected us to be a million dollar company. <laughs> so, um, at that time, you know, I'm working all the time, right? Like 14 yeah. hour day, yeah. putting together the newsletter all by myself, mind you, and then trying yeah. to run the company at the same time. So I'm working like 20 hours a day at that point yeah. and have no money. So I'm getting yeah. like eviction notices on my door. Mm-hmm. Uh, always somehow would like scrape out a consulting gig or like something. Sure, sure. Like, I, I don't know. I can't even explain it. But yeah. every single day was this. It felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And I remember getting in my car and every day, dude, just like driving and bawling my eyes out going, oh, man, what the hell am I doing? Right, right. Like, what am I doing? And yeah. getting through that to me um because you know i get my power shut off water shut off gas sure. shut, like all of that that in my couch for a year and a half yeah slept on the floor most nights right because yeah. my bed frame was broken and yeah like just uh going through a lot of that made me realize that the goal that i had started with right like be successful make a shit ton of money starting with the end goal in mind mm-hmm. was the wrong decision so yeah. i had to reframe everything i was doing and find the joy in what I was actually doing. Yeah. And by just a stroke of fortuitous luck, I decided to pursue a passion, even though it was in an industry that I had no experience in. And that's kind of what's kept me going for the, yeah, the two years, finding like finding the joy in what I'm doing every single day. And then looking back on it now, I'm going, well, I've gotten connected with people like yourself I never yeah. would have encountered at all. I've learned things I never would have learned otherwise. So let's say, and this isn't going to happen because we're in a freaking phenomenal place, man. Like, let's say the donut goes belly up tomorrow. Well, I'm going to be able to take everything that I've learned, all the people yeah. that I've met, all the experiences that I've had, and take that to whatever I do next. Yeah. And whatever I do next, and this is uh, the reason I'm telling this story is to like everybody listening to encourage you to just take that leap if you've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. The hardest part for me was starting. It yes. really was. And I just told you everything that I went through. Starting was harder than everything that I went through. Of course. And you just get the freaking ball rolling because I'm telling you, once you make it through the shit, and I'm not even all the way through the shit, I just see yeah. that light at the end of the tunnel. Like yeah. once you make it through there, you'll have confidence you never would have expected to have. You'll have knowledge you never would have expected to have. You'll have met people you never would have expected to have. And your life could be what you never expected to have. That's awesome. I mean, that's beautiful. It's a great way to end it. I mean, it's a fantastic way to end it. Peter, you're the man. Awesome. I mean, I'm so glad we're friends. I really am. Me too, man. Yeah, I realized that. I don't know if if you noticed last time. I'm not going to make this mistake this time, though. It is true. Um, The end, it was a tale in the last episode we did, and I was getting like calls and texts from my mom. And, uh, you know, 
I have such a bad, like I cannot multitask. Like I literally <laughs> most so people can't. I'm, I'm, <laughs> can't well, right? They're lying to themselves. Yeah, they think yeah it's, it's not done well. I'm telling you, <laughs> it really isn't. No, no. no. You can only, we can only focus on one thing at a time. I'm humans. telling you, it's um, true. But it's, yeah, yeah. But we were uh, we were signing off, and you're doing your own, like thanks for coming on, you know, all that stuff. And I'm thinking of my mom. And um, you said something towards the tail end. It's like, good to have you, you know, I'll see you later. It's like, all right, bye, I love you. And then it got off. It's like I do it with my mom. <laughs> I love going, you, Peter. It's good. I'm man. going, oh, man. Like, did you think that was weird? Was that odd? No, no. Like, no, but, it's fine. But look at us. Look at us go. I know. Ready. We're good. I'm, I'm very open to whatever. <laughs> no, don't worry about stuff like that. But thank you, man, for your time. I really appreciate it. You're a busy dude. Thanks for just giving me some of your time in your day. I really appreciate it. Oh, dude, I love these conversations. Thanks for having me on as always. And yeah, man. Uh, anybody listening wants to check us out, the, the donut.co, the donut.co. It's T-H-E-D-O-N-U-T.co. Uh, we deliver bite-sized digestible news that doesn't suck. And on that note, we actually just uh, launched or just announced the launch of a brand new newsletter. And it's going to be 100% about positivity and uh, probably with more of like a mental break or vacation. So the news, new newsletter we're launching is 100% positive news, like mindfulness exercises, mantras, journaling Lovely. exercises, exercise and dance videos. So maybe you can help us out there. All right. And just trying to build a community that's, that's gassing people up versus bringing them down. Love it, man. Peter, you're the man. I can't wait to talk to you again next time, man. Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you All soon. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The traditional medical system doesn't allow doctors the necessary time to spend with each patient. And that's not the way it should be. At Partner MD, you'll have the one-on-one -on -one time you need with your doctor. Partner MD provides individualized care, medically advanced testing, and 24-7 access to care at a cost that's lower than you might think. Maybe it's time for a new tradition. Partner MD, it's better health care for an even better you. Visit PartnerMD.com.